Hello, welcome back to Talking Talmud. I'm one of your hosts, Jordana Osban, here with my friend Chabruta and Gordon. Our DAP today, Masachet Yavamot, DAP Pei Bab, page 86. Well, we're actually going to start on the bottom of Pei Hei, where there was a new Mishnah. And the Mishnah, we're back again to the question of who can eat Truma. Ba'i Yisrael, arrested the Kohen. So we've a Ba'i Yisrael who has uh, just done Erosin, right? The first half of the uh, what's required for a marriage ceremony uh, and is, you know, with to a coin, mi-kohen, or she's pregnant by a kohen, shomeret uh, yabam l'kohen, or is awaiting to do yibum with a kohen, v'chein bat kohen Israel, and similarly the daughter of a kohen to a Yisrael, lo techel truma. She may not eat a truma. Um, and what we're talking about here, when I just want to go back to the, the case about the pregnant uh, who's pregnant by a Kohen, uh, what we're talking about um, here is that let's say there was a Yisrael and a Kohen, a, a Bat Yisrael who's married to a Kohen, and it ends in divorce um, or his death, right? She, um, uh, you know, it, she's allowed to keep eating Truma if she is a living child. But let's say that marriage ended through divorce or death, and she's just pregnant. She actually can't eat Truma until the child is born. So these are all cases where somebody cannot eat truma yet then the mishnah wants to talk about master rishon so we haven't really talked about master rishon so we know that one of the other gifts that had to be given was you know truma to the kohanim and then master which means a tenth had to be given to uh to the levian by yisrael levi so let's say a by yisrael's you know has done erisin with a levi uh me levi or is pregnant with a levi or is awaiting Yibum by a Levi, or the daughter of a Levi, uh, again, she is not allowed to eat Maser uh, in these types of situations. And then there's going to be a third, a third sort of uh, permutation of all this. Let's say a Bat Levi is, has done Erosin to a coin. Mi'uberet mi'koin is pregnant by a coin. Shomeri avam l'koin is a way to yibum by a coin. V'chein bat koin l'levi, or she, it's a bat coin who's going to marry levi, right? Lo techel, or is married to a levi, sorry. Lo techel lo b'truma v'lova maser. She cannot eat truma, nor can she eat uh, maser either. Um, so in other words, so levies we know are never allowed to eat truma, right? So wherever Yisrael cannot eat truma, levi can also not eat truma. Um, and, uh, so, you know, that's what this case is talking about. And it's also a case where they can't need a uh, master either, um, because they're going to sort of lose their master status through a, uh, through an impending change, uh, by marriage. So the, the second part of this Mishnah talks about the daughter of Yisrael may not eat master, even if she's an heiress to Levi and the daughter of a Levi Right. Uh, no, also, the daughter of a Levi cannot eat Maser if she's betrothed to a Yisrael. So it seems like Maser could be prohibited uh, to the daughter and the wife of a Yisrael. So the Gemara doesn't like this and has an objection. Utehezara, the let her be a stranger in relation to Levim. So that's what they call the status when you're not allowed to either partake in or in um, or in Maser. It's that you are a you are a stranger. In other words. Let her be considered a regular Yisrael. She's not a Levi. May a stranger not eat Maser, right? The question, isn't everybody actually allowed to eat Maser? So we know 
that a non-Kohen can't eat truma because the Torah actually explicitly says it because it says, well, Cholzar lo yochel kodesh. This is the Pasuk from Bayikra, chapter 22, verse 10. But Maser, it actually doesn't say explicitly. It's not classified. It doesn't call it kodesh. So what's the Mishnah, basically, what's the basis for this for prohibiting that people can't eat Maser? Amar Rav Nachman, Amar Shmuel. So Rav Nachman said in the Rav Shmuel, Hamani, who's teaching this? Rabbi Meir. This was an opinion of Rabbi Meir. The Amar Maser Rishon Asur Lazarin. He taught that Maser Rishon is forbidden to strangers. The Tanya, as it taught, is it was taught in a uh, Brisa. Truma Lekoin. Truma is only given to a coin. Umaser Rishon Lelevi. And Maser Rishon is only to a Levi. Divir Rabbi Meir. This is what Rabbi Meir said. Um, and so it doesn't. When you read this Brisa, it doesn't say they eat Maser, but it's sort of implied by the language. The Brisa goes on to say, Rabbi Elazar ben Azariah matir lekohen. Rabbi Elazar ben Azariah says Maser is allowed to a kohen, right? And then the Gemara asks, Matir permits Matir to be in by kohen michal to eka mans aser, which implies there must be someone that there there is someone who prohibits Maser to a kohen, right? But if, uh, th- if this is not, you know, a question, everyone would agree that Kohanim can eat Maser. So the Gemara then reinterprets what Rabbi Elazar and says, is Ella Ema no, no Afa Kohen. Rather, it's saying you can even give Maser to a Kohen. Then the Gemara is going to go on to basically find the source for Rabbi Meir's opinion. What, what Pasuk does he get it from? How does he learn it? Then it's going to go through the Rabbi's opinions because the Rabbi's uh, hold the Maser is actually permitted to everyone. Um, and again, Rabbi Meir, he makes like sort of a, he, um, he, uh, because Maser, there's a puzzle where Maser is described as Truma. So he basically said, so then whatever's true of Truma also has to be true of Maser. But it's interesting, you know, that we're finally talking about Maser, which any discussion of. And again, I can just see that if there were a lot of like marriages between, you know, Yisrael, Kohanim and Levis, some of this eating stuff really does get complicated. And I could sort of see why maybe people just kind of stuck to their, you know, stuck to their own. But is interesting. I mean, I always knew Maser goes to Levim. I never sort of thought about it in that way. Like, do we, are we not allowed to eat Maser? I don't know, Anne. Did you ever think of that question before? But I guess that's because the rabbis actually did permit it. Like, it just, I I was like, oh, yeah, that is a good, that that is a good thought. Like, I didn't ever think about that with Maser. So I like this question. What happens when you end up with a Levi who's married to a Kohen? And then the Kohen, like, the Levi's supposed to give Trumat Maser to the Kohen, but the Levi's getting the master from everybody else, but the Kohen's getting the truma from everybody else. And obviously this is now not how it works because once you've got that marriage, then things shift, right? Like the rules right. about the truma are going to apply differently. So the the question of, you know, the mixed marriage is not, it has a, a real answer, I guess. But the question of it is, I think kind of, I don't know, you know, like it, it's a nice little puzzle. Yeah, I, I, I would agree. Okay, I'm going to go on. The passage I want to talk about is on the very bottom of Ahmed Aleph, goes on to Ahmed Bet. It's going to talk about Truma. We're going to talk about the Kohanim and the Levium. But I also want to note, in advance of reading the text, that we also have here the interplay between biblical text and halacha and also a nice story of Chazal, meaning this is a very pretty compact section that has... You know, it kind of has it all in there, including Truma, because, you know, we're in Yavama, so we should talk about Truma. Um, I'm sorry. Tarabanan. 
Truma lakohenu maseri shomulevi divrei Kiva. So this is exactly what you just said, right? But this is the citation, and we're going to go on from here. Rabbi Elazar ben Azariah Omer lakohen. Right. So let's take a step back. The Mishnah and our statement here says that Truma goes to the Kohen, Maser Rishon goes to the Levi. According to Rabbi Kiva, Rebelezer Ben says that it goes to the Kohen, meaning that tru- the first tithing, that Maser Rishon, should be go-, go to the Kohen. Now, this, of course, you know, stop- should stop us all in our tracks because, you know, Dana, you've just explained that it goes to the Levi. La Kohen, Velola Levi, the Gemara is stopped in its tracks as well. Right? Why is Rebelezer Ben saying to the Kohen and not to the Levi? Ema Afla Kohen. So the Gemara says, suggest, let's say that it could go even to the Kohen. Meaning if you, let's say you didn't have a Levi there to take the Maser, whatever. You could give it to a Kohen also. You know, the Kedush of the Kohen is greater than the Kedush of the Levi. So then it makes sense to say that you could even give it to a Kohen as, as opposed to just giving to a Levi. My time at Rabbi Akiva. But then what's Rabbi Akiva's rationale for stating explicitly Levi and not saying also, you know, and also to the, to the Kohen? The Gemara points out that the verse about about Master Rishon is explicitly says Leviim. Right, you will speak to the Leviim and you will say to them, and therefore we should focus on giving the Master Rishon to the Levi. So the Idach, this is. It's interesting to me that the Gemara doesn't name Rebelezer ben Azari here and just says the other guy, right? Um, which is, I think, maybe not common. I don't know if that's in the interest of space because his name is a little bit long or if it's a very slight dig at Rebelezer ben Azari as compared to Rebbe Kiva or if it's just a formulation that happens more commonly than I'm aware of. Um, in any case, Rebelezer ben, you know, what's what's his rationale? Why would he not say Levium since there's a verse that explicitly says Leviim should be getting Maser, right? The first the first Maser. So the Gemara's uh, suggestion or explanation says that Rebelezer ben Azariah is holding in alignment with Rabbi Yoshua ben Levi because Rabbi Yoshua ben Levi notes that in 24 places in Tanakh, and we have one example of it here, the Kohanim are called Leviim, which is, you know, really confusing if you're learning Tanakh and less confusing if you're learning the Gemara's take on it, which is already telling you the answer, right? And for example, the verse that's br- brought here as an example is from Yechezkel, the book of Ezekiel, chapter 44, verse 15. It says, The Kohanim, the Levi'im, who are the children or the sons of Tzadok. And we know that Rabbi Tzadok was a Kohen and that his children were Kohanim. So we know they're not Levi'im, right? So then... It's just one example of apparently 24 places where the Kohanim are called Levium, in which case Rebelazar's Benazaria's um, take suggests that where it says Levium, really it should be saying Kohanim and not Levium and not Af Kohanim, right? Meaning not even to the Kohen if you don't have a Levi there or whatever you could also give to the Kohen. But when it says Levi, does he really mean that it should be specifically to the to the, to the Kohanim? Because Sometimes Levium were called Kohanim. Rabbi Akiva, Rabbi Akiva is going to answer, right? Hacha lo matzit amart dechtiv v'achaltem oto b'chol makom. He says you can't say that you're talking about Kohanim in this pasuk, this verse from Bamidbar that we read before. Um, you know, you should speak to the Levium and you should say to them, 
you can't say that that's talking about Kohanim because it also says, and you will eat it in any place. That's in Bamidbar 18, chapter 18, the book of Numbers. Um, um, the verses are five apart from each other, give or take, right? Um, meaning, it says you could eat it in any place. The moment you say that you could eat something in any place, according to Rabbi Kiva here, you're immediately excluding Kohanim because Kohanim could not be eating in a cemetery. Now, I don't know how many people really want, want to be eating in a cemetery, but the Kohanim were not allowed to enter the cemetery to eat there, in which case, According to Rabbi Kiva, that's an immediate exclusion. And therefore, this statement about this Maser in Bamidbar, when it says Levium, it means Levium and not Kohanim because they could not have gone in there uh, to begin with, right? Meaning, you know, he can't wait, he can't eat just wherever he wants to. The Idach, the other guy, again, Rabbi Elizabeth ben Azaria, Kol lo haguf lo laki. So Rabbi Elizabeth ben Azaria's response. And it's not clear to me if it, this is really his response or if it's words put, Aramaic words put into his mouth a generation later, let's say, meaning it is Aramaic. Um, but the suggestion is, or the, the presumption is, that his answer would be that a Kohen can indeed eat wherever he wants. Because first of all, uh, you don't have to be in Jerusalem. Like it's not saying like Maser Shini, it has to be eaten in Yushalayim. So then, so then the food itself could be eaten anywhere. And then... You know, if a Kohen were to be tame, if he would be impure, he's not going to get malkot. You know, he a, a Kohen is not supposed to render himself impure, but if he did render himself impure, like it's not the, I don't want to say it's not the end of the world. I, I'm sure it's very troubling for Kohanim, but it's not, there's no punishment for it, right? And so then, according to Rebel Ben Azari, you could say, well, so, so too, the Kohanim could eat the, the Maser in any place, meaning, you haven't, according to this suggestion, then according to this um, understanding, Rabbi Kiva has not sufficiently con um, convinced him that the statement that you could eat, you should eat it, it needs to be, it can be eaten in any place, excludes the Kohanim. Hahi ginta dahava shakil ben rishon mina. So now we've got the story, where the Gemara tells the story that there was a garden where Rebelzer ben Azariah, who himself was a Kohen which now maybe sheds a little bit of light on why he's intent on regarding Maser as a Kohen. I don't mean that he's not taking it seriously in terms of Allah, that it's just from a personal viewpoint, but he's got a different kind of take on the nature of whether Kohanim are the, are the designated eaters here because he himself was a Kohen. So he would go to this particular garden, and that is where he would take the first tithe, meaning this, this uh, Maser Rishon. He would take the Maser Rishon from that garden, Azal Rebekiva Ahadre Lefitra Leve Kivre. So Rebekiva went. Uh, this is, uh, it's a very, I find it to be a very entertaining story because they're both trying to prove their points, right? So Rebekiva goes and he closes the garden. He changes the entrance of the garden. So now the garden is facing the cemetery. And then that's going to prevent Rebelazar Ben Azarius from entering the garden because how is he going to get there, you know, through the, the, through the cemetery? Rebelazar says to him, it uh, says, "Amar Akiva b'tarmi lo va'ana chayei, chayei, chayei." He says, "Akiva comes with his his bag, his satchel, but I have to live, right? What does it mean? I have to live? 
how am I going to live? How am I going to have my own livelihood if I cannot get Masarisha? Now, this is an interesting statement because we know, and we've discussed this on the podcast as well, that we know that Rebbe Lezer ben was very wealthy and he didn't actually need that produce from his garden. But his point was that he, he's saying, like, Rebbe Kiva, you've, you've prevented me from getting this food that's supposed to come to me from this garden, that this is rightfully mine, right? I Meaning that's his take, his, his rebuke to Rebbe, to, to Rebbe Akiva, right? And then the question is, what is this Rebbe Akiva with his tarmilo, right? With, with his satchel, right? The, the implication is, you know, that um, Rebbe Akiva, who used to be a shepherd, like he doesn't need the growth of the garden. He's, you know, it's not, it's not relevant in the same way. That's one opinion. Another opinion, this is attributed to the Marsha, says that, that Rabbi Kiva himself was a, was a, a Gabay Tzedakah. He would collect the charities. And so then he wanted to take Maser, the, he wanted to take whatever um, tithings he could to give them to the poor. And so if he could do so, right, meaning Maser Rishon still has to go to the Levi, but the idea was Rabbi Lezabedazaria doesn't need it, right, from his, you know, from his garden. He's He's got his his rights to it, whatever. He's he's wealthy enough that he doesn't need to be eating those tides. Um, okay, so that's. I mean, I think that's the end of the story. That that the the gemara goes on to a new section, but the the example here, I would say, does not resolve the halachic conundrum, right? Meaning, Rebbe Rebbe Lazar is not convinced. Rebbe Kiva is not convinced, and Psak Halacha, I think, we give Masarishim to the Levi, but. The the machloka tanaim here is very strong, and I think, as I say, entertaining is it's colorful, right? Like we've got psukim to they back each other, they back themselves up with biblical text, they back themselves up with argument, and they back themselves up with or the gemara gives them each a legitimate voice in a story between the two of them. I mean, I love this detail between Rabbi Akiva and Rabbi Elazar, and that the fact that Rabbi Elazar, like, you know. He's so far away. First of all, he doesn't need it, right? He's wealthy. He doesn't need the master. But also, it's not clear to me, like, was master totally being given? Like, how that was exactly working? But, like, the point is, like, he gets master. And Rabbi Akiva, like, this interpretation that you're doing is taking my master from me. I just think it's one of those great interactions we see of the Tanayim that's very, very human. Like, they're not talking about this in the theoretical it practically meant something for Rabbi Elazar ben Azariah. Yeah, and it seems that he was eating, if I understand this correctly, because otherwise I'm missing a piece from the from the narrative, but it seems that he's giving himself Maser Rishon from his own garden, or from a particular garden where he would go and take the Maser, meaning as opposed to people bringing him gifts, right? Which also makes me wonder, like, were people already following the rules of Rabbi Kiva, or was it just not, as you say, was it maybe not as as practiced, I, I don't know the, you know, what happened when you had a, a garden, if you were, you know, living in the time of Chazal and you were, and you had your, your own personal garden, did you was a clean, or perhaps depending a Levy and say, here, take some tomatoes. You know, I, I don't know the answer. Well, that's that discussion for the day. Rank us, review us on all po- major podcasts. Thank you to Revenue Michelle Farber for hosting us on the Hydra website. Let us know what you thought about the stuff on our Talking Talmud Facebook page. And until tomorrow, go and learn.